Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Beth Adams, Global Director at the World Class Dorchester Collection Academy. Coming up on today's show... Beth reveals a groundbreaking induction programme. I was given the keys of the units by my manager and told to get on with it. Phil is phenomenally vague. In order for you to be in this, you need to do this and this and this and this. And Beth makes her play for the most intriguing line of the series. I really didn't want to be sold off as part of the chapel. All that and so much more as Beth talks us through her incredible story to date, as well as some excellent content on leadership development. Don't forget to give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today we head back into the world of training and specifically within luxury. And whilst today's guest doesn't just focus on hospitality businesses, it's fair to say that uh, I think the ethos behind that training has its roots firmly within hospitality. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show the Global Director of the Dorchester Academy, Beth Ahrens. Hello, how are you today? I'm very well, how are you? I'm great, thank you, and thank you very much for inviting me. You're very, very welcome. Um, where, where in the world are you today in this funny world we live in? I am at home, in my home in southwest London, in Wimbledon. Excellent. So at what tier are you in? Uh, we're in tier two, I think. Tier two. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Eh? Today, today, I think we're in tier two. Who yeah. knows what tomorrow will bring? Absolutely. I'm in. I'm also tier two. I'm up by Stansted Airport in Essex. But weirdly, my neighbouring town, which is only two miles away, which is Bishop Stortford, is in Hertfordshire, uh, and that's in tier one. So it's just all a bit weird and funny. Agreed. But uh, anyway, what can you do? So um, just talk us through a little bit, if you would, about your what you're what you're doing now in terms of the role that you've got and uh, and the organisation you're with. Sure. So I work for the wonderful Dorchester Collection and uh, we're a, a global hotel company. Uh, we own iconic hotels around the world, including two in the U.S., four in Europe and three in the UK. Um, I'm sure you'll know the Dorchester, 45 Park Lane and Coworth Park, uh, Coworth Park being our property in the countryside, um, very near Ascot. Yeah. And uh, and I head up Dorchester Collection Academy. So Dorchester Collection Academy was born as an idea uh, from my my boss, uh, Eugenio Piri. Uh, a few years back now and um, it all started because we were receiving inquiries from a number of our guests who themselves are um, heads of industry and they would see the marvelous service that our teams were providing in our hotels and they would ask us if we could help support their own businesses with training for their own staff Right, uh, And that's something that being very generous in spirit, Dorchester Collection uh, offered to support and we would do some training, but we really weren't geared up to do that type of work. We obviously were providing training and development for our own teams, uh, not for external third parties. And, yeah. and, uh, and it, was, it was something that would certainly come up regularly. And, and in my capacity, when I was area director of HR for our three UK hotels, I supported a number of businesses. And this clearly was becoming a, a thing. So it came to fruition really towards the middle of 2017, uh, when we had approvals to develop it as a proper concept. And at the end of 2017, I was asked to head up the academy and create it as a standalone commercial business. Yeah. We opened our doors beginning of 2018, so February 2018, so really not that long ago. And our focus at that time, so all of two and a bit years ago, was really around taking all the models and experiences of providing amazing hospitality service across our network and converting that into training that we could provide for any other 
either luxury business or an aspirational brand. Right. And we focus really on two key areas, uh, which is customer service and inspirational leadership. And I'm pleased to say that across our journey now, we've supported somewhere in the region of about 35 or so different types of business across 11 or 12 different sectors. Um, so wow. not not just hospitality as people might consider it, um, but we've worked with private jet companies, we've worked with private health care, with private members clubs, we've worked at the high-end luxury retail, we've also had some opportunity to work in wealth management. So a real cross-section of businesses, which has been amazingly interesting for us. And uh, almost every program that we create, we utilize all of uh, um, these great models that we've developed within Dorchester Collection. But then we deeply get to know these businesses and we modify and create programs that are very bespoke for them, that will, will work for them in their businesses. So it's it's exciting and we love it and we love the variety. It's been brilliant. Yeah, well, I, I think the fact that luxury and leadership and customer service are all very, very transferable across multiple sectors, I would imagine. I mean, it, you, you need leadership in pretty much every line of work. Um, okay, there, there are luxury brands and brands who are, uh, I suppose, aspiring to be luxury. Um, you could help them as well but the yeah the the leadership piece i think is absolutely critical for sure for sure and i think really that's where it starts uh, very often we are asked if we can help with a customer service piece and can we just deliver some customer service training yeah. um, and our response to that is is yes we can of course we can just do that but we believe that it's more than just that. And if people really want to see a difference and, and, and gain a proper return on their investment, then we believe it really is start. It starts with the leadership. Yeah. And, and so we will typically um, speak to those businesses and, and find out whether or not they are happy for us to begin at that end of the organization um, where the support for the customer service will really make a difference. Yeah. Uh, and and where we have had that opportunity to work with businesses in that way, then they have seen a remarkable difference in their, their overall customer service um, outcomes. And certainly their customer engagement is increased, which shows that it makes a difference. Yeah, I, 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 I don't doubt that at all. And I have to say, you, you've been very kind enough to give me a tour of your your spaces in in Mayfair, and what I liked about it actually was is that you had a you kind of had a space for every kind of type of training. Really, you've got classic classroom, but I really loved there was like this beautiful lounge for a one to one. Just felt like you were walking into somebody's house as opposed to walking into a cold clinical office space. Oh, that's very kind of you to say, Phil. Um, yeah, that that's our executive learning suite, as we refer to it now, and yeah. and it's one of our rooms which is um taken inspiration from our Beverly Hills hotel, and that really came as as a result of something that was happening quite naturally. We were finding ourselves running these executive coaching sessions for the C suite leadership. And we just felt it, it wasn't right in a, in a classroom setting. So we were moving sofas and chairs into that space. And naturally, we found that actually this was something that we needed to do more of. Mm. And that's how that came to be. And uh, it, it, it's turned out to be probably our most popular space. And particularly now. That's where we're doing all sorts of um, C-suite strategy events, leadership retreats, and and where people are, are actually setting out their stall at the moment in particular in terms of their strategy going forward with w- within this COVID world that we're in. 
Yeah. And I think that that's made a, a big difference. And in fact, even one of our clients from about a year ago, um, I was in touch with recently and he said as a result of the work that we had done on shaping their vision and their values at that time, it's helped them enormously to sustain this period over the last seven or eight months. And without that, they don't think they would have been in the same position that they are today. Wow. So I think that's that shows how powerful the the input is, but also um, you know creating the right space for those those great conversations has been absolutely the right thing to happen. Yeah, you're literally saving and future proofing businesses. I mean, that's a wonderful way of putting it. And yes, we'd like to think so. Obviously, all we're doing is facilitating the thinking. Yeah, the ideas are already there within the team, but our job is to help tease those out and make them a reality and help them to verbalize something that's very often just been in their heads. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's that. That's half the battle with, with exceptional training, isn't it? Is to just coach the individuals into you know having the knowledge having the capability to to navigate and move forward themselves for sure for sure and it, it it's such i think it's um it's such a privilege for us to be involved in the journey with so many amazing leaders and businesses as well and we feel deeply privileged to be able to help support and shape their future and and uh, yeah, and, and and we really enjoy it as well. We love it. It's really exciting. I've been working with a business recently, uh, and they're in private healthcare. And you know, we've we've recently created their vision, their mission, and their values. And they actually said to me afterwards, "We've never been so excited about our own business, and we can really see a future." And I felt that was just all the all the gratitude that I needed and that our team needed um, to show that we're doing the right things. Yeah, no, I I don't doubt that for a second. Excellent. Okay, well, let's before you you got into this role, uh, you you've had a, a a long and illustrious career so far in lots of different brands. So take us all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into the wonderful world of hospitality in the first place? Oh wow. Got that is going back about thirty odd like three years. Three or four years ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. So, um, I I did a psychology degree, and mm. that was way back. Um, I finished that in, gosh, I want to say it was about nineteen eighty six. I can't even remember now, but quite some time ago. Yeah, one or um, two years ago. Yeah, one or two years ago, yeah. and at that time, it was it was standard that you would go into what was then called personnel right and it was it was not where I wanted to go I I felt that for me I wanted to be much more active and way back in the day um, personnel was very much about filling in forms and issuing disciplinaries um, and it wasn't for me so yeah. I, w- I was fortunate enough to get a job uh, with a company that doesn't exist anymore um, but it was then called Travellers Fair, and Travellers Fair was the um, the station catering, um, and it's now been swallowed up by the Compass Group. But it was part of British Railway back then. Right. Wow. And I start I started off as a, a graduate trainee in that world, and I, I remember my very first day, quite different from first days that I hope people experience now. I was given the keys of the units by my manager and told to get on with it, bearing in mind that I knew absolutely nothing about business at all. And I remember going home and crying and thinking, oh, my goodness, (laughs) what what have I got myself into? Bearing in mind, I think I would have been 22 years old at that point. Right. Uh, But obviously picked myself back up, went in the next day and thought I can do this and and really utilize the people who were the the employees, my colleagues in the business to help me find my way around, navigate things like learning how to use a till, um, producing till reports, cashing up, uh, stock takes, all of that. 
And within about four months, I was offered my first management position, which I turned down um, because I felt I wasn't ready. There was still an awful lot that I didn't know. And well, good on you, though, for kind of <laughs> yeah. being that aware, because there's, a, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are very, very you know, keen to get on. And when that opportunity comes along, they just go, yeah, but actually, you might be setting yourself up for a fall here if you're not ready for it. Absolutely. And I think I think I knew myself well enough to know that if I was going to be taken seriously by anybody, I had to have credibility. And uh, for me, it was really, really important that I understood the business. So I set aside myself time to really make sure I understood certain areas that I didn't at that point, such as P&L and purchasing and, you know, uh, ordering and and so forth. Um, And then when a position came up about three months later, I felt I was ready and uh, and accepted it and started really as a as a departmental manager at that point onwards. Um, right. Had a great handover from a lovely lady, and I was my my very first operational job was running the off license at Victoria Station. Wow, I bet that was that wasn't busy. <laughs> Was we used to take we used to take uh, at that time, and this is going back a long time now. Um, we used to take about a million pounds a month. Wow! So it was incredibly busy. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I also then had the opportunity to run what was then called the, gosh, I think it was the Belgrave Bar, which was on right. the other side of Victoria Station. So I ran that as well. And very quickly, I was asked to be involved as a troubleshooter. So I did various pieces of work around the, the, the stations in central London and also got involved in helping set up really what was then the very first food court, which opened up at Euston Station, I want to say. I think it was Euston Station. That's going back in my memory a bit. Right. Yeah. So and and I think because of all of my experience and the fact that I was attending training through Travellers Fair and they had a great training academy, then I thought, you know what, I could do this. And when a position came up, then I accept, you know, I, I applied and was offered the role. And that's when my career in training really started. Mm. And thereafter, I was in a variety of other positions, but really my my first touch into the world of luxury and, and luxury training really was when I was offered the position as group training manager at the Savoy Group. And that was way back in 1995. And a very right. forward thinking um, managing director called Ramon Pajares obviously saw something in me. And and offered me the position. So that was your your first touch, if you like, of of luxury. That's right, exactly. And up to that point, really, it all been setting the ground the groundwork. And and I did work in a variety of other businesses very early on at that point in my career as well. Mm. So I worked for for manpower and recruitment for a time. Um, did you really? I didn't, I, didn't know that. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, um, when I was offered that job, uh, because traveling was a big part of the role, it was on condition that I passed my driving test. So you right. can imagine the pressure at that point was quite, quite extreme. But it was yeah. it was it was great, actually. And I learned so much from from my time there. But I, I was also very involved in, in, in training there as well. So uh, that and, and, you know, all of those experiences have allowed me to really, I guess, set a foundation for when I moved into that luxury uh, environment and, yeah. and, you know, in, into the Savoy Group as it was, which is obviously doesn't exist anymore. But um, back I was then. It had more than just the Savoy at that time, didn't, didn't That's it? That's right. Yes. So it was the Savoy, uh, Simpsons and the Strand, Claridge's, the Barclay, the Connaught and the Ligon Arms. But also we owned a health 
kind of uh, health farm, I want to call it, because that's what it was back then. Um, right. And we owned a mattress company. We owned a coffee company. We owned, yeah, bed making company. <laughs> so it was, it was quite big back then. Yeah. God, I didn't yeah. know that. I had no idea that, that mattresses were <laughs> made by the Savoy Group. But there we are. And that's it. They're, they And they were to die for, those mattresses. Absolutely gorgeous. But Ramon Pajaras was, was very, very forward thinking. And he said, look, you know, we've diversified for all the right reasons at that time, but to the point where we've actually lost our core focus. So he really got us to to focus back into the hotel side and the other areas of the business that supported the hotel operation were then re reorganized accordingly and either bought or sold or however was appropriate at that time. So it was yeah. it was a really, really interesting period and taught me an awful lot. I'll bet. Yeah. I mean I, I suppose a very different type of business to to train from one to the next but I suppose principles remain the same for sure absolutely and you know I was very fortunate also to have a great manager at that time Tim Gates who saw something in me and realized that I was doing a lot of training so maybe I could potentially move into the HR function and uh, when an opportunity came up then I was fortunate enough to be um, offered the position of HR manager, and that was specifically looking after the Savoy and Simpsons. Uh, so yeah. really, that's when my move from L and D into HR first took place, and that that's now, gosh, way back in two thousand, so quite some time ago. Yeah, the interesting thing about that is is that there's there's two instances already that you've said that somebody saw something in you, you know, and that just that probably sums up somebody needs to take a punt on you in you know when you're trying to make your way forward right at a lot of the time it's not just about right place right time that people do have to see something in the individual i i agree and uh, and i think that's what makes the role of being a leader so exciting is that yeah. when you do see that certain something in someone to help them to become the best person that they can be is is you know really for me perhaps the most fulfilling thing about being a, a, a leader um, and and you know involved in the various roles that I've had over the years mm. and and I get the biggest kick out of that and I think maybe that was possibly forged from some of the earlier experiences that I myself have had but you know to see some of the people that I've had the pleasure of working with way back in in my Savoy days now being general managers themselves in various parts of the world is just you know for me the highlight and that's yeah. what I absolutely love doing and continue to love doing regardless of of where I'm working and and who I'm working with I just think that that's the the greatest gift you've got to be able to help people to really make something of themselves yeah, when they don't necessarily see it themselves as well. That's, that's the, the, the key, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, that, that really helped to shape our purpose statement at the Academy, which is helping people to flourish. So helping yeah. people in whatever way to be the best they can be. Yeah, and, and I suppose that's, you know, self-belief is everything in terms of your own ability to move forward. But if you don't have that, then it's the leadership responsibility to get that out of the 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 individual because i i think with self-belief kind of anything is possible absolutely it makes it makes a big difference but i think i think it's also in a measured way i think that's what's also important because it's not just about being ambitious it's about yeah. having a balance of ambition and humility yeah and and that combination to show that you're vulnerable and that yeah you don't have all the answers and you don't know everything I think that also makes a big difference as to how people view you and um, and I think when it's just ambition with uh, perhaps large elements of of confidence then that doesn't always go down well with people yeah 
Absolutely. Well, never more pertinent than the times we live in, right? The, um, For sure. We, we were speaking about this before we turned the microphone on uh, about that the the vulnerability that we all in whatever position you're in senior or junior you know we we all have this vulnerability at the moment because none of us have been through this before so none of us have the playbook none of us know what to do next a lot of it is reactive and um and i think it's 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 important that that whatever stage you're at in your career that you kind of realize that and appreciate that and that takes humility to do that absolutely and i think when you have already got a really honest and transparent working relationship with your team, then you've all got permission to be like that and to say, I don't have all the answers, let's work on this together. And that collaboration and that meeting of minds is also so important at the moment, none more so than I think than than now. Uh, Absolutely. That must surely help drive engagement as well because then people feel like they're part of the solution as opposed to being a fringe player i'm sure i'm sure and you know we've been we've been quite brave as a business and that we have continued to uh, uh, apply our engagement surveys which i know a lot of businesses during this time have chosen not to do and we actually found out in our last engagement survey that we did that our engagement was perhaps some of the highest numbers that we have ever achieved because of this collaboration, uh, really frequent communication, really demonstrating that we're putting our people at the heart of everything that we do and that they're a critical part of our business strategy and and living our values fully, which you know, that's that's why they were there in the first place, to help guide and direct our decision making. And, and none more so now than, you know, at this particularly pertinent time in everybody's lives. Yeah. Well, as you know, uh, Jenny has been on the show um, and I, I'm a, an avid follower of him across multiple social platforms i should say not in a stalking type way uh, <laughs> just to caveat that <laughs> um and it's clear i mean he he posts an awful lot of stuff about you know it's just like a picture of a zoom call and it'll be him and and all you know some team members from within and it, and it's clear that that's that's a very important part of of the life that we live in at the moment and um and it's clear that that you know you you guys are definitely doing your bit to to keep that engagement high we i must say genio has been an inspiration and our people and culture team have been just sterling throughout it's been a, it's been a tough time i think for most people and culture or hr teams as some people still refer uh, yeah. and the finance teams particularly at this time with with you know trying to access all the various fundings that might be available and the support that might yeah. be available to keep their businesses going so a big shout out for them because i know how hard it's been but yes i mean spearheading all of this um, we've we've had really truly inspirational leadership and and genio is is really at the forefront of that and really helping everyone to stay true to our culture and very much stay on brand and that's been clear in all of our communications in our focus regardless of what aspect of the business we're talking about um so so yeah it's it, it it's been fantastic and you know, I'm really, really proud to be part of this business for sure. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned humility. At the, uh, Genio is actually responsible for one of my favorite moments of the podcast series so far, which is when I, I always wanted to ask him this question, which was, uh, have you ever had a disciplinary? And, um, and he says, I've, I've been sacked before. And I really love that, that open humility style that he's got. So I think that he really does, if that's the way he's leading the business, then I think you're, you're absolutely in safe hands. For sure. For sure. And I, I know that we will get out of this. And I think as a result of it, all of us within Dorchester collection will be even stronger. We were, I'd say incredibly strong before, but even more so. And, and, you know, not just, not just, within our individual hotels, but actually as a leadership and, and uh, as, a, as a team as a whole. Yeah, 
absolutely. And I definitely didn't want this to turn into a genial fan club podcast. So, um, and I've, I've moved you completely away from your story. So I apologize for that. Um, but um, so, yes, let, we'll, we'll park that. And let's go back to, to you were the HR manager at the Savoy group. That's right. Yes. And um, so I think at the point when I moved on from there, I the, the, the company had just been bought by Blackstone. And we were we knew we were going to be sold off in individual component parts. And right. I, I really didn't want to be sold off as part of the chattel. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I I took the the very very brave decision to to move on, and I moved to um, Meridian and yep. the and the Cumberland Hotel uh, at that time, and I was there as the I, I moved there as the HR director, and I was also the hotel licensee. So going way back to my earlier days, I had been. I, in fact, I think I was one of the youngest salomon at the time when I was with Travellers Fair, and I carried on being a hotel licensee, believe it or not, even with my HR background. And uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And started started there sadly, literally twenty four hours before nine eleven. Oh, right. So, Timing. Exactly, and um, I mean, really, in terms of having to manage a really difficult situation and all the, the plans that I'd gone there for that changed in, in very sadly in 24 hours. And mm. then so many things that had to be dealt with thereafter, not least of which my, my colleagues who I had left at the Savoy having to deal with sadly many of the, the guests that we had got to know and love over the years um, who had perished in that terrible tragedy, oh, yeah. and 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 there I was in a new role, having to manage a new set of circumstances, and you know didn't even have my own induction at that point, right. uh, but very rapidly having to to deal with a, 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 an amazing team at that time and deal with some really really sad circumstances. Yeah, that's such and a I, massive hotel as well. So absolutely. You know, impact must have been immense yeah it, it was and uh you know i'd gone there because i was asked to be very involved in a new brand within le meridian as it was at that time and i was going to be helping to establish this new brand and we did we did loads around it subsequently but it didn't quite get off the ground because circumstances changed so wildly mm. within within that business in particular but as we know it impacted so many businesses and and obviously travel enormously at that time yeah and and that's still you know the way people travel now with having to have limited liquids on them and so forth Indeed. was forged as a result of what happened way back in two thousand and one. It was the uh, the new normal of its time. Exactly, it really was. Yeah. And then uh, and then I had a, a number of crises that happened during that time. We were going through a huge refurbishment. And that was enormous. And yeah. whilst still going through the refurbishment, we were an operating hotel. So we had uh, sadly a you know, number of operational challenges that we had to manage because of the construction works. But it really all came to a head when there was a fire in one of the lower basements. And I happened to be manager on duty at that time. And we had a full hotel, over a thousand guests in house. And it was the middle of May, so it was Chelsea Flower Show. All the hotels in London were full. And we had a full evacuation at nine o'clock at night. And somewhere in the region, I think it was about eight fire engines attend the hotel. Wow. And I had to manage the full scale evacuation. And uh, and obviously a re repatriation, if you will, of guests to another hotel um, yeah. where where we could all collect together, get my team over there, and make sure that we were looking after everyone. This is when you really realise how important it is to have robust communications 
Yeah. And and you also discover that people, when they're staying in your hotel, are not just there either for business or leisure, and that it's so much broader than that. We we found we had a number of guests in house who, for example, were recovering from operations, and therefore were not particularly mobile. Right. Yeah. And you know, looking after them and making sure that the, the you know the um, ambulance services and paramedics were attending to them because they needed to be you know having certain uh, medications and so forth, which had to be left in in the hotel rooms. Um, how you were going to even get back into the hotel twenty four hours later, we discovered wasn't going to happen particularly quickly. And and you had you know people who were needing to catch flights, and of course all their belongings, including their passports, were in their rooms and we couldn't get in. Yeah. Because the fire brigade, obviously, rightly so, wouldn't allow us in until they knew that the building was safe. Yeah. I'm pleased to say that there was very little damage done at that time in terms of the actual building. It was mainly smoke, uh, smoke damage. But as you're probably aware, smoke can can really be quite debilitating and huge cleanup operation that took place so I ended up becoming a a, you know quite experienced in terms of fire health and safety um, because of my my personal um, interactions that I was having to have with the fire brigade at that time and obviously all the health and safety specialists that we commissioned as well to support Um, so it took us several weeks to get back into the building properly but it was absolutely amazing when we were able to open the doors again and the guests were able to to stay. Can imagine, so yeah. that was that was quite something. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I can't even comprehend what it must be like to evacuate a thousand people plus staff. Uh, where you know, how do you? I know the Cumberland and where it is. There's not a lot mm. of outdoor space around it. It's not no. roads. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. And so, you know, trying to get people into a hotel nearby quickly was really critical. Mm. Um, so so that was the first port of call is to get everybody into and we, we used several function rooms in a nearby hotel. And uh, and that's where we we were for a period of time and then um, very much allocated, had to allocate uh, on a on a needs basis um other hotel rooms nearby when we knew we couldn't actually get back into the hotel yeah so it was it was a massive massive team effort then to get everybody either reallocated or or, or moved elsewhere yeah it was it was huge and I remember being absolutely exhausted by it afterwards, yeah. emotionally as much as anything, but really couldn't have done it without that team. And and it, it forged a really special bond. So many of the people who I was in contact with, you know, worked with back then, were still in contact with today. Yeah. And it, it was really something and it's it's also wonderful that there are so many people who have subsequently moved on and got great new new you know positions elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, at the moments like that, the yeah, that's when you see the the best of humanity normally. Absolutely, uh, the, the worst in some <laughs> cases as well. But the um, the uh, it always amazes me. You know, you can just just picture kind of events that happen around the world, and you know, people who have been displaced. Uh, whether it's from a hotel room or from their actual home or wherever, and you see all these pop-up housing schemes put put up, you know, just to to kind of help people get by in in a, what is a pretty terrible time. It always just amazes me that humanity always seems to come together at, uh, at when it when it needs to. For sure, for sure, and we had such a close team at that at that time, and really that helped us enormously to get through that then reopen and continue the the building works that that i think now are are evident to people Mm. but uh, it it really was tremendous and you know we did a lot to help get that property ready for its its next phase really i guess where it is where it is now and and uh and it's it's continued to be very much an important landmark hotel 
yeah. in London, I believe. Yeah, and it's I, I and it's agree. and it's still huge. <laughs> yeah, well, they're never going to change that. Are you? <laughs> unless, unless they strip out six floors and just make them apartments or something That's like that. It. They never yeah. say never. But, That's um, it. Yeah. Um, great. So, um, where did you move on to after that? So I then moved on to a, a smaller company. So I, I think at that point I realized that the large corporate machine wasn't something that I enjoyed and that I really preferred smaller businesses. Yeah. And I was very lucky to get an opportunity to move to a, a Scottish owned company called yep, City just Inn. The best. <laughs> just the best absolutely um so so run run by a, a father and son team really david and sandy Orr, and it was a contemporary hotel company it's now owned by i believe hilton group yeah I think uh, so. yeah yeah and it's changed its name over a period of times so i think it became mint hotels just That's after right. i yep. left uh, and and now it's been swallowed up by by Hilton, but it was a, an amazing business to be part of, and I was very fortunate again to be given the opportunity to be involved in a hotel opening there, uh, which was really exciting. So we we developed a city in Manchester, uh, and I was also able there to get involved in what we thought at that time was going to be our city in in Amsterdam and we started to look at one in Leeds as well mm. so so i you know it was it was fantastic being part of a family run business where everyone really mattered and everyone knew everyone and it was a, a great team of people really creative very very sure about what they wanted to achieve which was quite different from the businesses that I've been involved in previously not that those businesses were not sure of what they wanted to achieve but I think it was that this business as City in knew that it didn't want to follow convention right and and I think what was really unique about the, the approach was that Whilst so many people chased stars, star ratings, City Inn said, no, we're going to really listen to our customers. That's what drives our ratings. It's not the stars over the front of the of the door. Yeah. And oh, I think that, that makes sense. That, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what really started me thinking about the customer journey more specifically, as opposed to it just being about doing the same as everybody else does. Yeah. So the customer and the employee journey, really. That reminds me of a, a story I heard once upon a time about uh, Luke Delafosse. It's a bit of a, a hotel mm. legend. I, um, I know Luke, yeah. yeah. I think he, um, I can't remember who it was that told me this, but he, he, it was uh, something to do with the AA uh, ratings scheme or something and and i can't remember the ins and outs of the story but essentially what it amounted to was that the AA said that in order for you to be in this you need to do this and this and this and this and uh, he remembers this chap who told me this story being in the room when uh, luke delafosse was on the the uh the phone to the AA and he said i think it will be trendy for us to not be in the AA guide this year um <laughs> And I thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're, and there's lots of instances whereby I think you can get too caught up in the ratings scheme and actually scheme, that's probably the wrong word, the rating system. And actually the most important thing is how do you make your guests feel? Absolutely. And, and you know, to that point, I, I remember that one of the aspects that we needed to achieve in order to be a four-star property um, or our properties to be four-star was that we needed to have baths in all of our bathrooms and right. we had created our bathrooms so that they had showers great showers and that was because most of the guests who stayed were business guests and that's what they wanted they had said we want showers we don't have baths Yep. So we had made sure that there was more space in the bedroom, less space in the bathroom. The bathrooms were still great, but they didn't have a bath in them. 
So yeah. that was going to affect our star rating. And we also were quite revolutionary in that we had air conditioning in every room. And one of the requirements I remember reading said we needed to have a fan. And when we in every room and when we said, but we don't have fans, we have air conditioning. That was not actually good enough. We were told. My <laughs> so, word. Move so, with the times. Move with yeah, the times. Exactly. That's right. Now we're talking way back in, you know, this was 2004, 2005 times. Mm. So things I'm sure have moved on since. But quite interesting. And I, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased that City Inn took the approach that they did because, to your point, it really does, does show that, it, you know, being, being a business, you really, it's not about conforming. It is about listening to what your customers are saying yeah. and responding to that and, and, and not being afraid to. Yeah. Not being afraid to stand up for what you really believe is the right course of action. Absolutely. Some of the the, the nicest traveling experiences I've I've had have been staying in three star hotels. And it's not just it's not we've not looked at the star rating, we've looked at the the pictures of the room and the, the amenities that they have and, and the food that they offer and all of these things and made that choice and have had great experiences. Um, completely agree and felt like we were in a five-star establishment because of the way we were treated when we were there that's it and in fact we we ourselves experienced that recently we managed to get away for a few days in September we went to Malvern and we stayed in a lovely hotel in the Malvern Hills which was it it did have a star rating it was a three-star but everything about it was very much five star in my mind right. and we then went because they they were full we couldn't extend our stay um, but we stayed on in Malvern for a couple more days and we went to a four-star hotel which I would have very much put in the no star category yes well, I've also had experiences <laughs> like that as well <laughs> it's the perception of, of value isn't it really yeah. I um I, I remember when, when I first moved to London and Gary Rhodes bless him uh mm-hmm. may, may he rest in peace um he just launched or was about to launch uh, his restaurant in tower 42 mm-hmm. and uh, of course he had a restaurant in the cumberland as well that's um, right yes and we wanted to my wife and i wanted to go we were quite new to london so gary Rhodes was i was massively familiar with and we were only able to get on the waiting list for the i think for the first three months they were fully booked and we got onto the waiting list one Friday night, and this I think we were number one on the waiting list, and they said, the waiting list normally moves, so you probably will get in. Anyway, we didn't, and we w- we went to a local restaurant, which was in a four-star hotel, which will remain nameless at this time, <laughs> and the, had the most shocking experience from start to finish. It just The food quality was actually okay, but everything else was an absolute shambles. And I remember the meal being at £65 a head. Um, which They're not cheap. No, and I remember thinking to myself, I just felt like I'd been ripped off. Now, cut to three months later, and it was my, we, were, we weren't married at the time, but it was my wife and I's first year of being together anniversary, as you celebrate, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and, I, and we went to Royal Hospital Road, Gordon Ramsay's three-star mm-hmm place and let me tell you obviously we we paid three times the price but the value was i mean it felt like value for money in comparison with the four-star experience that we'd had previously now that's i suppose a story of it going the other way whereby you go into this the super luxury space and the perception of cost is my god that's eye-watering but actually it felt unbelievably like value for money that's a that's a wonderful story and i think that that's really where the expertise of the service team comes to play because if you've had amazing service and i do mean world-class service yeah then you should never be thinking about how much it cost no because you will feel it's value for money the minute you start thinking about the money it's not value for money Totally. And do you know the, the great thing about that was is as well is that, you, that there was real humility in the service. 
And I remember specifically saying to the sommelier, look, we're, with all due respect, we're here for the food and we don't have a lot of money for wine. Um, and he went, no problem at all. And he made some wonderful recommendations. There wasn't this kind of perception that people have of the ultra fine dining being peered mm. down your nose. You know, we still were made to feel special. And I've always remembered the first experience that we had in that restaurant was when we arrived at the, the restaurant in a taxi and the doorman identified that my uh, good lady was on the other side of the taxi and went round and opened her door. And it's such a small thing, but immediately just set us on this path of, oh, yes, we've, wow. we've, we've come yeah. to the right place. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah. And how long ago was that now, Phil, if I can ask? Yeah, that was that was 2004. Gosh, and there you go. You're still recounting it now, which shows how powerful it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, um, I've been lucky enough to, to experience many, many food experiences since then. But at the time, that was something very aspirational for me as a as a, a foodie who'd not long been in London mm-hmm. um uh, it was my first ever three Michelin star experience at the time because it's obviously not something you do every Friday night sure um, um uh, well I'd love it to be but um <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe one day but um but yeah the power of it it stays it stays long Absolutely. And, you know, I think I think that that creating that connection, because what you're talking about there is that straight away there was a connection. Yeah. And and that that emotion that that creates in you as a customer is what we try and help our our clients to understand is the important element of great customer service. Yeah. Create that emotional connection with your customer, and that's when you will just have the best time and the create the best relationship. Yeah. And it's those long-term relationships that really, particularly in, in at this time, are so important. And that shows that you really do care and that you're genuine and that, to use a word that a lot of people are using at the moment, authentic. Yeah. But it's not that they just see you as pound signs. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you can really apply that across any business in any sector, I think. Agreed, agreed, yeah. And those businesses that get it right time and time again, they're the ones that I think are able to sustain even the most challenging periods, but it is really about staying true to their brand and not wavering from that, which is tempting to do at this time. Absolutely. Certainly, certainly, I know a lot of people feel that you know they have they've got no option but to dilute their offering. But I think where they can hold true, it's really important that they do because those connections to their customers are, are absolutely vital to a quicker recovery in the long term. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't uh, agree more. Um, and I've done it again. I've taken you off your your story <laughs> again <laughs> to endanger oh my, my own stories. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, city in. <laughs> so look, I'll fast forward. Yep. Um, I, I worked for a, a company called MWB Business Exchange, which really gave me an amazing grounding in sales. Um, I worked for a European private members club company called Espria. Okay. And um, they, they've got clubs around Europe. And I was with them for a period of time. I've been in private health care um, and I've worked for some amazing hotels. But I think really, you know, if I if I really fast forward to the last five years, I've been with Dorchester Collection throughout. And I was fortunate again, fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to join in 2015 as area director of HR for the three UK hotels. Mm. And, and, you know, reporting at that time to Genio um, and, uh, and I had a, a fantastic general manager who I worked with called Roland Vassell. Um, Roland. Yes, exactly. Um, and he's, he's since gone on to be COO for Aman Hotels. And, you know, I, I absolutely loved my time there as area director of HR and had a fantastic team of 10 HR and L&D people 
that you know we we worked together incredibly well we won hr team of the year in 2018 mm. we had you know really fabulous employee engagement and uh, and and incredible retention as well within the within the business overall yeah. so I think all of that has helped me direct my career to where we are today, which is now having been with the company for five years and two and a bit years of that heading up the academy. Yeah. And, you know, you, the, the way you summarize that there, I think, is absolutely perfect because there you can take little snippets of the the kind of the, the, the quick version of your career uh, that you've just given us and you can see that every one of them plays its part and adds its value into the the next and into now what you do because actually you you mentioned there with MWB exchange you know, that gave you an appreciation of sales in your role now I would imagine that you also need to have an appreciation of sales because you're you know you need to nobody's going to be aware of this without you going out and telling them about it exactly and when you start a business and you know, you've got a great brand behind you like Dorchester Collection. That's one thing. But actually, you have to create your business from scratch. Mm. And, and you know, when there was literally nothing other than an idea. Yeah. So you're having to create a, a brand within a brand, establish what the offering is going to be, recruit the team, get the team up to speed so they understand what the what a company is all about but also what we're going to be offering and because it was so different and it's still so different there is there's no other business around to my knowledge that that is like the academy mm-hmm. then you you've not got any you've not got any role model you've not got any yeah. reference points to say oh well I think I want it to be like that whereas when you're creating a hotel there are lots of hotels so you've got some examples yeah. And yes, there are lots of consultancies that offer training and development. We know that. But to actually be a, con- a consultancy and training company within an existing business is really unique. Yeah. And, and, you know, and our core business continues to be hotels, of course. But to then be able to utilize all of our insights and share our expertise with other businesses as openly as we do is also really special. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and and certainly we feel incredibly honoured and really, again, privileged. I use that word because I can't think of another yeah. uh, to be able to do what we're doing. It really is quite unique in so many different ways and and I'm pleased to say at the beginning of this year as part of our plan was we um, also started offering consultancy services and uh, that's really proven to be such a, a, a powerful thing that we decided to do at the start of this year because we were able to take on our first proper consultancy client in July of this year, which has been just invaluable to us as a business. Yeah, sure. Uh, and also great experience. And we've also had 16 of our open programs accredited by the CPD Standards Office, which is amazing under the circumstances. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, we're continuing to evolve considering that we're still very new. Yeah, I, I, well, that's it. You're still uh, still a, a young pup in business that's terms. That's it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, fantastic. No, that that's that's really great. I'd appreciate uh, that that insight from your career so far. Are, are there any funny stories that you care to share? Oh gosh, that can be shared. Um, um, that can, that can be shared. I think. Um, gosh, perhaps one of the most challenging ones that I had to deal with um I don't know if I classify as funny um but when I look back I can laugh now was (laughs) was having um two individuals uh, fighting in a business that shall remain nameless Mm. um very overtly fighting to the point where it became quite quite violent it wasn't just verbal 
and and uh, and then having to manage the separation of that. But the, I think perhaps the most challenging piece of that was the the fact that it was all done very publicly in in front of guests and and then having to manage the separation of those people that was that was perhaps uh, amusing now when i think back right. and the fact that people didn't make so much of a fuss about it is is really quite something i think the other one that i would say is i had one individual who was we we caught him unfortunately stealing he denied all knowledge of it and when i showed him the cctv of him taking the money then he said that wasn't him and i still remember that very clearly and showing him the image of him and saying but that's you and you're putting the money in your bag and he said no that's not me (laughs) even though it clearly was exactly even though it clearly was yeah yeah Yeah. so um i mean there 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 are probably a, a few others that i think i'll have to keep quiet unfortunately that's that's fair i think a lot of i've spoken about this before a lot of the um the the really exceptional stories happen and you know you you just you can't share them in a public forum because you know you take them in uh, with you wherever you go and maybe you talk about them over a a a glass of wine in the pub or whatever but but uh, this is probably not the forum to share a lot of the stories (laughs) that happen in hospitality exactly (laughs) unfortunately yeah um no that's that's really great Uh, thank you for that what's uh it's a weird old time we live in what what does the the next year hold for you guys all going well well, we so um, in fact, funnily enough, we actually had a team meeting last Friday, and we were doing a bit of brainstorming because I did some. I, I kind of shared my thoughts on what I thought twenty twenty one might look like. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> thank you. <Yeah. laughs> I did say what I thought it might look yeah. like. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, and and then on the basis of that, how could our service evolve? And again, bearing in mind that we're so new, you almost don't want to. We don't want to go off track. We need to stay true to our brand yeah. and who we are and what we're about. So it's not that we're intending to change our principles of consultancy, leadership, and customer service. But is there anything else that we can be adding to that? So. We've come up with, uh, you know, a list of half a dozen great ideas that the team suggested. So I think we'll look at focusing on those. I think it's perhaps a little bit too early for me to share too much uh, on yep. a podcast, but suffice to say, I was getting an exclusive there. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's still a lot of positive energy out there and some great ideas, and I'm confident that. We're going to be doing some some amazing things with a fantastic team of people. Brilliant! No, that that's great, and I wish you all the very best in in that and this next period. Um, and Thank you. Remains to be seen what uh, what happens next. Yes, absolutely, and and same for you and and momentum and and Fabian as well. I hope things continue to you know work out for you and 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 I love the fact you're doing the podcast I think it's great and oh, really exciting you. so so thank you very much for having me that's very kind to know you you're very very welcome we're we're still here we're still clinging on so um <laughs> long long may that continue final question and then I'll let you on your your merry way what would you say to somebody who is considering a, a career in hospitality if you love hospitality do it it's got to be something you're absolutely passionate about. And yeah. if you are, then it's absolutely the right thing for you. Fabulous. Nice. Uh, that's probably the shortest but uh, most poignant one that we've had. So uh, <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, maybe maybe because we're both conscious of time. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> um, so just uh, finally, if people want to get a hold of you to learn more about the Academy or you, what is the best method for them to do that? So we, you can find us through the Dorchester Collection website, but we're also, we can easily be found under a Google search, Dorchester Collection Academy. And we are also on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. 
all under DC Academy. Fabulous. Great stuff. Great. Beth, thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. It's been uh, a real joy and it's been nice to talk again because it's been a, a fair few months since we had a chat. So thanks for taking some time. Oh, an absolute pleasure and lots of luck to you and obviously all your listeners as well. Fantastic. Excellent. Take care. Thanks very much. Thanks a million, Phil. Bye-bye Bye. And there we have it. A phenomenal career journey from Beth so far, demonstrating once again the vastly different paths this amazing industry can take you. Beth and her team really do have a world-class offering within the training and development space. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm every Wednesday. Until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.